0: Welcome everybody. Um, thanks for coming this morning. Glad to see you. It's nice and warm out there. So this morning I'm going to be speaking from the book of Esther. And just to give you a little bit of a background, um, so uh, who's seen 300, the movie? King Leonidas, Battle of Thermopylae, they hold off a million Persians. Yeah? Come on. Has anybody else seen this movie or I, am I the only guy? we got one person who's seen the movie. All right. (laughs) All right, look. So this is, uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, Xerxes. Okay, so Xerxes, um, he was the guy who had the battle with the Spartans. You know the Spartans. Yeah. All right. Now, there's something else about Xerxes is um, he's kind of like, thinks of himself like a god king. Nobody can enter into Xerxes' throne room without him summonsing you to the throne room. And if he does summons you, you better turn up. Otherwise, it's off with your head. So that's a little bit of a background. Now, uh, just one more disclaimer is if you've read the book of Esther, um, I'm going to stick to the principles, but the narrative may differ slightly, okay? But I'll let you check that out for yourself. If you've got any questions, you can ask me after, all right? So here we go. So there's Xerxes. We're going to call Xerxes Z for the sake of the narrative. So there's Z sitting in the throne room. It's a Sunday afternoon. He's there with his mates, Mick and Shane. It's the fourth quarter. in The The eagles have the ball. And then they're out of beer. Z's out of beer. Mick and Shane, out of beer. So Z's like, now he calls to Vashti. Vashti's his wife, okay? She's the queen. Vash! Vash! Can you get us another beer? Vash is like, No Z, I'm looking after the kids. So Z's like, Oh, come on, Vash. I want to display your beauty to and Shane while you bring us a beer. Vash is late at the moment. So, Z is furious at this. Nobody disobeys Z, and especially not in the fourth quarter into the last kick of the game. So, Z's like, that's it, Vash, it's over. So, Z's quite upset by this. So, he decides that he's going to, uh, well, Mick and Shane, they come up with this great plan. And the plan is they're like, hey, Z, we've got this great idea, mate. Why don't you hold a beauty contest? And you can invite the most beautiful sheilas in all of Australia. And you can have your pick. Z's like, that's a great idea, lads. Great idea. Let's get it going. So, off Mick and Shane go. Off they go to the Northern Territory. New New South Wales. Queensland. South Australia. The most beautiful sheilas. They did go to Tasmania, but they didn't find any beautiful sheilas now, I'm just joking if you're from, Queen, <laughs> from Tasmania. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they got all the beautiful Sheilas back in WA. And uh, Z is just not satisfied. He hasn't seen or met anyone that he thinks is amazing. Until he meets one beautiful Sheila. Her name's Esther. She's the most beautiful Sheila in the whole of Australia. And she's from WA. So he's like, i got to take this woman home to my palace, that is. And that's what he does. He takes her back to the palace. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Esther and who Esther is. She's Jewish and she's born in a pagan land. So nobody else believes what she believes. In fact, she has to mask her Jewishness most of her life. Because she can't display her um, beliefs. She can't celebrate her traditions. She lives in a pagan land. She probably would be persecuted or even punished for her beliefs in that society. Okay? It's kind of like me or you being born in China today. You'd have to mask part of your identity. The other thing about Esther is that she's an orphan. Her parents died at birth or died when she was young. Now, if you think about that for a moment, and think about how much of your identity you get from your parents, where you're born, what you eat, your traditions, the rituals you keep, a lot of that comes from even how you think about other people and uh, relationships. A lot of that is from your parents. So, Esther is masking part of her identity, and she's lost part of her identity. Let's go back to the palace. So there's Esther, and there's Zee, and he's a happy man. And he's so happy that he decides, I'm going to make Esther my queen. And that's what he does. And they live happily ever after. Now, What's going on as they're living happily ever after is there's another guy that comes on the scene. His name's Haman. Haman rises through the ranks of the palace. He becomes really good mates with Z. Such good friends that Z decides that he's gonna. he wants everybody to honor Haman. He wants everybody to bow down to Haman. So that's what he does. He sends out an order throughout the land. Everybody must honor Haman. Now Mordecai, I'm go, this is another character. Mordecai is Esther's uncle. Esther's uncle who has raised her from since her parents died. He's like, I'm not bowing down to some geezer. I know who I am. Mordecai is quite strong in his identity. He knows what he believes. He's like, I'm just not doing it. This infuriates Haman. It makes him so mad. So mad that even killing Mordecai is not enough. He decides he's going to wipe out all the Jews in the land. Every single one of them. So, Mordecai learns of Haman's plan to wipe out all the Jews. And he dresses in sackcloth and puts ashes on his head. You know, he looks really upset, visibly upset. And he goes to the um, city gates. And uh, one of Esther's servants notices Mordecai. At the gates, upset, and tells Esther. So Esther's like, Go find out why he's upset. He wants to find out why her uncle is upset. Okay? Mordecai says this to the servant He says, Tell Esther that she needs to go to the king and plead for him to change his mind, that he won't be allowed to wipe out the Jews. Plead for your people. So that's what the servant does. He goes back to Esther and relays that message. Now, Esther hears this and she says, I can't do that. Nobody, nobody can go before Z. Not unless they're summons to see him. It's instant death. Now, Esther, she's the queen. She's found herself in this new role. She's quite happy in her life. This is going to mess things up. So she sends back a message to Mordecai uh, saying, I can't do this. This is is, going to cost me my life. Gets back to Mordecai, this message. And Mordecai says to the servant, he says, you tell Esther this. Tell Esther, how does she know that she's not in this place, that she's not been made queen for such a time as this? So off the servant goes, and he takes that message to Esther. Now, Esther has a big decision to make. Esther really has to think about who she is and what she believes. Because this decision is going to cost her. She doesn't know the outcome, but it's going to cost her. She has to decide if she's going to serve Mordecai's cause. She has to decide if she believes what Mordecai believes. There's someone else who uh, had to put out the same or ask the same questions. Um, His name's Ernest Shackleton. Now, Shackleton wanted to be a famous explorer. In fact, he wanted to uh, be the first person to cross the Antarctica continent, going via the furthest, most southern point, okay? So Shackleton knew that, this is in the early 1900s, Shackleton knew that this was going to be a perilous journey, that it may cost lives and that people may not return. And so Shackleton needed people who believed what he believed to go on this journey. He couldn't just take anyone. Because it was going to cost a lot. So what Shackleton does is he takes an ad out in the paper. And the ad reads like this. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in case of success. Shackleton needed people who believed what he believed to go on this journey. Who would serve his cause to go on this. Let's just go back to the palace for a moment. There's Esther and she's weighing up this cause. Do I believe what Mordecai believes? And this is what her reply is. She says to the servant to relay this to Mordecai. Tell Mordecai to get all the Jews in the land fasting and praying, as I and my maids will. And on the third day, I will go and see the king. And if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. See, by that point in time, Esther had decided that she was going to serve Mordecai's cause. And she decided that she had to look at her identity, figure out um, what she believed and if she believed what Mordecai believed. Now, there's one more step in this journey. And that step was Esther couldn't just serve Mordecai's cause because it was going to cost her her life. She had to own the cause. What's interesting about that is let's just go back to the Shackleton story for a moment. So Shackleton, he recruits about 30 men, and off they go on their journey to Antarctica. But they never get there. What happens along the way is they get trapped in ice. Ten months they spend on a ship. The ship is crushed by the ice. Over that 10 month period, to the point where they all have to abandon ship. And so now they've abandoned ship, they have to then make a journey of 800 miles to find help. What's interesting is that along that way, there were no stories of mutiny, there were no stories of cannibalism, nobody died. Why is that interesting? It's interesting because. The men that Shackleton recruited owned the cause. They owned it. And when they owned it, they knew that they played a part in a bigger picture. They looked after each other when they went on that journey. And not one man was lost all along the way. Not one person was lost along the way. That's pretty important. When we have a cause... And then what happens in that cause is that we start getting ideas, and those ideas are a vision. They're the answer to the cause. That's what vision is. Vision is the answer to a cause. And when you get a vision about something, you might be that We don't lose anyone. Then we get on the same page, and we undertake this journey together, and we get back safely. We get home safely. So why am I telling you all this today? Because I want you to... Just spend a moment considering if there's any areas in your life where you've masked who you are or you've lost who you are. Often one thing will flow into another. And what I'm saying is if that's the case, find people who believe what you believe. And obviously the vice versa will be true, so they will believe what you believe. Why? Because that reinforces your identity. It reinforces who you are. And then once you're around people who believe what you believe, and you they believe what you believe, and you're serving a cause together, you're heading in a direction together, there will come a time where it's time to take ownership of that cause. How will you know when I'm starting to take ownership of something? like I said to you before, you'll start having ideas, solutions to the problem. So that's what I want to leave you with today, is have a think about that. And it can apply to all sorts of areas. Your job, your study, your marriage. You know, what's the cause that you're heading towards? And have you taken ownership of that cause? Because we don't want to leave anyone. We to return together. We want to get home together. So I'm just going to pray. God, um, I just thank you that you uh, provide us with a an ultimate cause to get home together. That Lord... Uh, back to back to Christ and uh, in heaven and all that good stuff. That's what you're calling us towards, Lord. Lord, I pray that we, as Esther was bold, you would fill us with boldness and courageousness. That, Lord, we might not mask our identities. And if we've lost some of our identity along the way, that, Lord, you'll help us unmask it. Unmask it and and take ownership and responsibility where we need to. So that together we can come home. So I want to thank you for everyone here and uh, amen.